Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sunday night edition of the pod. We are overdue for our awards. These are awards through the end of January, but we do this to take stock of where everything is in the league once a month or so. We are sponsored today by the unbeatable combination of Sherry's Berries and Pro Flowers. Go to berries.com, enter our familiar cap space code, and you can get 20% off a perfectly paired gift of Sherry's Berries and Pro Flowers or anything else over $29 using, once again, that cap space code. So, Danny, why don't we get started here with the old mvp mvp is often to me what it, it can sometimes be harder this time of year just because we don't have the total information and for me the the challenge for this time was the idea of per minute contribution versus total contribution so for me the guys that are having at, at, as of the end of january of course we're having the two best seasons kind of more on a per minute basis were harden and curry but the problem is those guys have played significantly fewer minutes than Giannis and lebron and so i was just kind kind of sitting there with how to reconcile it and so i ended up and i think this will surprise a lot of people i ended up going with Giannis number one and the, big, the biggest part of it was that i think he a he's played a lot more so yeah I mean, he's played more than at, th- at that time it was more than 150 more minutes than harden which is which is a lot when you think about the course of the season but also because he is very important to his team's success on both ends of the floor so it isn't like you're making this case of like oh one guy's way better than the other guy for the course of the season it's just the margin is that he's played more so if it was most outstanding player or if it was most valuable on a per minute basis Harden would be my number one but because Giannis has provided more value to me he is my most valuable player yeah I don't know that the more minutes would resonate with me that much I think a lot of that is just because Harden's team has been in some blowouts in terms of games Harden's played 44 games and Giannis has played 47 so I I think that Giannis and Giannis just isn't as good as Harden either I mean I think that's another thing I'm surprised I had all my arguments ready and then you went with with Giannis I'm like oh wow I don't have any arguments for this I gotta really think about it but I think he just when you consider the team quality when you consider the holes in Giannis's game when you consider that even by advanced metrics like RPM Harden has the substantial edge pretty much every stat I think uh, Harden has the substantial edge unless you want to get into defensive stats and I don't think that the overall difference especially considering that Harden may have played less due to blowouts uh and the three more games are, are you well and it's you you're, say, you're saying three more games, but that also includes the two that Harden played in this month, which I didn't consider because I do all my stuff. Ah. Like so, so it, the, the disparity was larger then than it is right now. And for me, I'm very rigid about this, as people who listen to the show know. And also, the other big difference here is that while the Rockets have been a superior defensive team, I consider Giannis's defensive contribution larger than Harden's. I, th- I think that's sure. not really a hard argument. I think no. And so, yes, Harden has been a better offensive player, especially on a permanent basis. But Giannis is indispensable for his team offense too i mean it's not it's not exactly like as as good as eric bledsoe's played and also eric bledsoe hasn't been on the team the whole year i mean you have to think back to the early part when it was really Giannis. jabari has been out until the last couple games you have a lot of they have a lot of complementary pieces that are okay but i think that Giannis has that workload and he has an inferior surrounding cast to him than harden does i i don't think anybody would argue that he was he was dealing with a system that was not as good for him as harden was in so you have all these factors and i mean i think without and so you can look at the the on off stuff too like, I mean, the, the Bucks have fallen apart when Giannis hasn't been on the floor. It's an ape. He has a larger offensive drop-off than Harden does. And Harden is a better offensive player, but they have Chris Paul. They have all these other things that they can do. Well, so my number one was James Harden. Giannis was actually number two for me. I think when you start looking at, at Steph Curry, who is my number three after just an absolutely ridiculous January, he probably, his January is the best month that anyone has, has had all year. And by the way, we'll get to LeBron James because he actually, you'll recall, uh, was my MVP last year. And 
a word on this uh, i think the recency bias and we're of course subject to this as well but among just the media i mean if you look at the yo-yoing in the past two weeks it was oh man seth curry he's in the conversation now like he had this amazing january harden is out and then harden comes back doesn't play that well the first couple of games and then he drops 60 uh, 60 point triple double on the magic and then uh, there's an article yesterday which is you know uh, tim mcmahon's covering the rocket so I, and he's making an argument but that called harden the obvious mvp front runner and i agree i think he is especially considering how well the rockets have played and curry even in the last three games which i know you didn't consider uh has dropped off after that torrid january um Giannis is my number two though just because uh, again he's played more than curry has still tough to say if you've missed one third of the season now if you wanted to say all right who is my pick for who i think will win it in april i would still say harden but i'd probably have curry ahead of Giannis in those rankings but i would i would missed, too yeah when you've missed one third of the season so far we're doing it on, on what it is so far but let's talk about james now who i i don't know if you had him as your mvp i can't remember last month no uh, i had i had harden over james okay I, I did and this is probably the worst month of lebron's career since at least like that first season in miami and maybe even going back to like you know 0708 where just and certainly i bet you in terms of net rating for him i mean i think his personal net rating has been you know, i think i checked it since january first a couple of days ago it's like you know negative eight negative nine or something this last month cleveland's overall net rating for the month was 29th in the nba it's almost negative 10 oh we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about that later on <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just play that badly over a month, I don't care what you did in the first two months. And it's very clear Brian Windhorst had, I thought, a really good article about how LeBron has not been playing hard, how the distrust between he and Dan Gilbert is becoming a major problem in Cleveland with the fact that LeBron could well leave and that they things may not get any better for them as a result of that unless they can really do something at the trade deadline but all that i mean i think lebron's leadership has not really been there this year his defense certainly has not been there i mean we did the twitter nba show for that rockets game yesterday he was horrible uh he's had a number of just completely horrible games where he has not set the tone uh defensively at all from a leadership standpoint all all that has to go in so i I had him as fourth uh in this but and ad fifth but yeah i mean i i think that's why just that massive drop off for me nobody could have seen this poor of a month from James coming at the beginning of January. It was jarring. And while many of Cleveland's failings have been on the defensive end, and I will not put all of that at, the feet, at LeBron's feet because that's a team effort or non-effort in this case, he isn't providing, he isn't helping. You know, it, it, that and that I think has been one of the most surprising things other than these moments where he, he gets back into it and blocks a shot or something like that. You know, he, he's been slower on his rotations. He's been less active. And he has been such a tone setter in the, in the playoffs as a positive and in the regular season as an inconsistent positive over these last couple of years. And so you don't throw all of that on him, but certainly a, a fair portion of it does. And all of these guys, all four of them have been wonderful offensive players. So what used to be the LeBron argument was, oh, look at that. Like he's, he's such a spectacular offensive player. And then he guards one through four. He does all this other stuff on the floor. That argument is not as strongly in his, in his corner as it used to be. No, I, I completely agree. And I think we could shift now to first team all NBA. Uh, but first, this from the one-two punch uh much more effective and uh benign one-two punch than the one we've discussed uh, on this program previously which sadly now is broken up with the trade of Miritich but this one-two punch will let you do Valentine's Day the right way we've all been there we've screwed up Valentine's Day before it's not good it doesn't feel good Sherry's Berries and Pro Flowers are going to make sure that doesn't happen to you this year with their perfectly paired collection you get your dipped strawberries and flowers arriving together in a beautiful specially designed box that will keep your berries cold and your flowers fresh guaranteed these strawberries are enormous they taste fantastic a number of different chocolate coatings available and the flowers they last well over a week guaranteed i've found that to be the case at least and they have all these instructions for how to keep them fresh if like me you have no idea how to do that that's not something that's in your dna because it doesn't really help to order flowers and then make your significant other also be responsible for making them look good but the instructions are in there it's really easy to do so the way to go ahead and win valentine's day you can get 20 percent off a perfectly paired gift of sherry's berries and pro flowers using that cap space code or you can get 20 percent off anything else at berries.com using that cap space code as long as it's over 29 dollars. so you can get those freshly dipped strawberries from sherry's berries and the beautiful blooms from pro flowers visit berries.com that's b-e-r-r-i-e-s.com today enter my code cap space at checkout that's berries.com code cap space so first team all nba i only 
only had one change this month and that was moving Steph Curry uh, into first team All-NBA and Kyrie Irving to second. That was a change that uh, I already had in there. Uh, so so your first team center was LaMarcus last time, right? Yes, and so it shall remain. And I'm keeping Embiid the same and have Aldridge second team. So we're I think we're we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're holding firm in that way. And, and so one question I wanted to ask you was, did you seriously consider, because I considered it, but didn't end up moving either Anthony Davis or Durant above LeBron. I still think he's having a better season than those guys overall. I thought about it for a hot second, but they just haven't done it enough yet. Yeah, I, I thought about it very seriously, but I thought that might be just a little bit of an overreaction to me. Um, we'll see if he has another month like this, then absolutely. I think either of those guys could come in. And then also the other thing to watch is AD, he's played 31% of his minutes at center now, presumably, especially since they didn't get Greg Monroe. That could go up to pretty close to 50%. He's presumably going to start at center for the rest of the year unless they get some buyout center. So if that happens, then he's probably looking at being the first team all-NBA center and you'd move down LaMarcus you might move down Embiid and I would say too with Embiid it's pretty close because Embiid has actually really just played this whole month which he had in December so he's at 40 games LaMarcus is at 52 uh they play relatively similar minutes LaMarcus a a few more minutes than Embiid he's at 34 minutes a game Embiid is at 32 so still a pretty significant difference Uh, I think you could make an argument that Embiid has been better on a per play basis but uh you know I think those guys have been pretty close and LaMarcus still especially on a Spurs team that has stayed in it despite only nine games from Kawhi Leonard deserves to hold on to that first team spot right now if they stay at about 12 games played difference by the end of the year and Embiid keeps playing like this you know maybe I might reconsider it but the difference in games played it was enough for me there and then should we talk about why Steph is ahead of Kyrie I know you had him ahead of Kyrie last year this year though I think just with the one missed month I, I kind of skew a little bit more in terms of all nba in terms of who i just think the better player is as opposed to uh who has created more value this year and and steph curry just is that good i mean he's still if not the best the second best offensive player in basketball he's third in per on the season first in offensive rpm and irving has been very solid he's sixth in offensive rpm but down the table a little bit in per he's 11th and so i i think just that steph is clearly better he has a history of being better you probably give irving a little bit of a boost for it his clutch performance so far this year but uh, just thinking that Steph is just so much substantially better of a player than Irving in my eyes that's why I, I moved him up but I still would totally understand if you want to have Irving ahead based on the fact that he's played more than Steph although Irving has started to miss a few games himself uh, of late he's only got a 10 games played advantage over Curry right now also at the moment I don't have it separated out through cleaning the glass but uh, Kyrie and the Celtics are now 15th in offensive rating which is a far cry from the Warriors who are currently second you know they and houston well, are about and to you also court. look at what the warriors do when it's steph and no kd as well i think that's, right that's well and what point. the warriors offense was with no steph in those games that he missed yeah i mean we saw they were they were a completely different team they actually tried on defense which is something they they didn't really do much in january but the offense was it was a massive difference and so and the other thing yeah. for me and this ties in with my second team is i personally see all nba as far more towards most outstanding rather than most valuable because most valuable yeah. players are a separate thing so for example my number three guard if that distinction matters to people is not Kyrie it's actually Chris Paul because I think Chris Paul has been better than Kyrie and has played enough that I feel it's a worthwhile sample you know if a guy's only played 15 games or 20 games then obviously that's a different thing but I think he's played enough for me to say he has been the third best guard this season those guys are both second team to me and I I don't I didn't really think anybody else had a good argument which is another reason why Chris Paul is second team for me so but I had Paul over him to those who care about that because I think he's been better this season yeah and you've always been uh one of the biggest Chris Paul guys and Paul is having an outstanding season right now I think he actually is number one overall in RPM although again missed a a lot of time and the the three-pointers that he's been making these super deep threes that he's suddenly taking this year I mean he's got his usage is actually up from his Clippers days uh, amazingly and he's far more efficient as well and he's also been a big part of Houston's defense with his ability to switch and just execute and play intensely which is you know something that they have lacked at times in recent years um back to Irving versus Steph the only other thing I'd point to there uh Steph despite having the ball in his hands far less than Irving actually has a, a higher assist percentage and then uh Curry has 67 percent true shooting and Irving 60 percent which is still of course outstanding and, and they have very similar usage as well so Steph Curry by any metric quite superior offensively and I think Steph still is better on defense
defense so the Irving has been better there this year so um your second team you actually then you have Irving on second team or you, you have Paul I'm sorry I forgot both of those guys those are my those okay. are my two second team guards so you actually moved Jimmy Butler down huh I moved I counted Jimmy Butler as a forward because he has played more uh, forward than guard this year yeah if Jimmy Butler had been a guard that would have been a very hard decision but my forward calls would have been would have been different too yeah so I can sit when I looked at it it looked to me like he'd been more there he guards the better he guards the better wing and the better wing is typically a three in the modern NBA so that helped him helped it for me too but yeah again that's really good too because the third team forward um <laughs> yeah uh, is was not easy I I consider Butler a guard he's being talked about as guard he's introduced as guard so I I put him there but I probably should just change up next month and put him as a forward so I I had my second team was Irving and Butler at the guards then I had Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis obvious obvious second team fours and no the remaining four just aren't even close to them and I think actually if it were Butler part of the reason I have Butler at guard is that I would probably have him he would have to be on the third team if he were a forward and I don't think that's fair to him I think he if he can as well as he's played I think he's worthy of being on second team and he's introduced as a guard so I think it's fair to put him on second team as a guard uh my second team center was Embiid we talked about that and then third team uh Chris Paul and Damian Lillard were my guards uh apologies to Victor Oladipo who is very close but uh, on the same principle that you had uh, I went with Paul just because he's been so awesome and the rock been so awesome uh when both he and Harden have been healthy so who is your your other uh your guards for the third so it's a real challenge especially if you don't count Jimmy Butler the way that I don't because there are all these guys that so you have better uh, you have good players that are not having great seasons and you have guys like Victor Oladipo who haven't proven as much but are having wonderful years so what I ended up going with and I'm not super comfortable about it because I feel like there are four guys to me with the way that I drew the positions that were really in this conversation and that was Willard, Russell Westbrook, Oladipo, and DeRozan and so I'm kind of sitting there going okay well how do you how do you square this circle and I ended up going with I mean I ended up, I was really for me Westbrook and Oladipo ended up being the top two I think Oladipo is just he's having a slightly better year than DeRozan and remember I'm more most outstanding if you were making it on most valuable like games played would count then DeRozan would get it but I don't I think Oladipo has been slightly better and then Westbrook versus Lillard is tough I mean depending on how you approach these things like Lillard has been he's been a wonderful offensive player this year he hasn't really elevated their team offensively they're wonderful defensively but also so is OKC so for me with all four of those guys I don't have much of opposition in any order but I think Westbrook's been slightly better than Lillard to me overall this year after especially after that terrible first month of the year and then Oladipo has been slightly better than DeRozan so I went that way but I nearly went Westbrook Lillard too and just said these guys are more important to their teams than Oladipo but Oladipo has been immensely important to the Pacers too I think you'd have trouble constructing I mean that 51% true shooting for Russ is still just too low I also think amazingly I'd rather have Dame Lillard on defense than Russell Westbrook uh just because Westbrook just spaces out so often uh in particular as we saw in, in that game winner that Gary Harris hit when Russ was in theory guarding him uh I mean Dame Lillard has really ramped it up from an efficiency standpoint up to 59% true shooting now doesn't have the same level of usage as Westbrook they're about the same in offensive RPM uh but it's just that inefficiency from Russ and again you know as as that first month of the season gets more into the rearview mirror as he actually starts to make some free throws again uh, maybe that'll change I think that Russell Westbrook is probably a superior player to Dame Lillard but I think Lillard has been better and one other thing we should note here because I'm sure some people will will talk about this is PER as a stat it really works well for Westbrook because he's incredibly high usage on an efficient on an efficiency that is above the line where they think that it's good you know like because you have to draw a line for that and so for usage the way it's calculated he's at the good part of that but then he also grabs a ton of rebounds and and has the assist stuff I think some of those contributions are a little bit overstated when you look at his overall defense as opposed to his defensive rebounding and steals uh but so so that's you know so like some people go oh Westbrook's ahead of Lillard and PER I think that overstates the difference between those two guys and it's funny that I'm making this argument despite somebody who put Westbrook over Lillard overall yeah I, I think you and I just generally I think I give a, a little more juice to Dame than you do just whenever we talk about these kind of conversations whether it's I think that's true top players in the NBA or, or all NBA team or, or whatever I mean I think that guy is just so good at, and Portland's offense has been amazing which uh my prediction about that was wrong as as we will get to so uh Chris Paul and Lillard on my third team all NBA I think you know Oladipo Russ DeRozan I have a little bit below those two guys um again due to his uh, defensive issues and I just again don't think he's quite as good of a player as 
Oladipo or Russ. Clay Thompson was actually on my third team last year. Uh, one of his big arguments is that Golden State is really good and he, defensively, and he's a big part of that. Well, their defense has really fallen off in the month of January. His usage and efficiency are, are both down as well. It's been a while since he's had just really a, a monster game. He was a big part of keeping them afloat while Steph and Durant were missing time. But I think it's just, and especially just the fact that Lillard has started playing better, that Paul now is in the conversation as well. It would be huge for Clay if he could make an All-NBA team because then he'd be eligible for a designated player veteran extension. But uh, that does not appear to be in the cards. So at Ford, who, what did you do there? Oh. <laughs> So because uh-huh. so Jimmy Butler was easy. That part was nice. So then I was down to one spot. And the the craziest part about this is just how weak the small forward crop was outside of that with Kawhi Oof. being out. Like you're sitting there going, yeah. oh, you know, small forward, it's such an important position it's, in the modern it's NBA. It's already the weakest position in the NBA. And then to have Kawhi out and, and Paul George having somewhat of a down year, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, so so you have that you have that situation. Some of the sitting there going, oh God. And so I was very surprised. And also I considered just, cheating and putting out Horford there because Horford would be my choice but I instead have him as my third team center because I mean because he's mostly playing center so he, he's playing there even though I yeah he, I, I I cheated and put Al Horford there oh as, see as that a, would have made my life so much easier so so yeah. then so then what I ended up doing and it's weird because I don't think he's having nearly as good a defensive year and the Warriors are not having as good a defensive year especially the last month but I ended up giving it to Draymond because also his role in the offense is underappreciated he does have a large a large part of the playmaking he's not you know the the volume score that all these guys are but there aren't That's any interesting actually score. i i was uh i'm kind of down on dream on i am as too are the stats this year and i think he's actually because he turns it over so much like he kind of like makes plays for guys but like those guys don't really need other than maybe clay dumps don't need plays made for them maybe as, as much and well so in the second like, unit he does a little bit more because those guys yeah. do need plays because they yeah. choose to play lineups that nobody can nobody can really do a lot for themselves yeah but but his three-point shooting is down to 30 yep. percent, and the defense I mean, he is just... I have it here when I was talking about it, with why I had George and Horford as way better than him. Um, Draymond, you know, he's usually this, he's like, oh man, this guy is so underrated by conventional stats. He's always in the top 10 in RPM. He has been all three years of, of the Kerr era, I believe. Well, he's 60th in RPM this year and he's only 24th in defensive RPM. And, and the 30% on threes we noted too, that's becoming a big problem for the Warriors. The statistical resume just isn't there in any way. I mean, it's all like, if he's going to make this team, it's all just on reputation. That's well, I mean, so it, Paul, the Paul George argument is interesting. That was the closest one that I, that I was on this because, but a lot of the other guys aren't strong defensive players. If you, you can make an argument, as I would, that Draymond is not having nearly as good a year, but Kevin Love, you know, I mean, his, contrib- his yeah. contribution, also you could argue him as a center. I mean, you get into all that kind of stuff. It's just not a good group. I didn't go into it expecting to, and Blake Griffin missed a bunch of time. You know, he's only, at this point, he's only played in 35 games. So that was a, a too narrow a sample size for me. So you have a lot of these guys where they're going in there but yeah I, I think for me it was between Paul George and Draymond and I guess I kind of fell back on on the idea that if it's close between these two guys I think Draymond is more important for the for the Warriors defense at that point in the year than Paul George was but you could make an argument either way it's it's a it's a tough call yeah. and so it, I wasn't comfortable with it but I thought that was that was where I was and so I kind of went in that direction for this one yeah I mean George just come on and he was very inefficient to start the year he's up to 58 percent true shooting now so he's solidly above the league average and he did i think he's with robertson out he's struggling a little bit defensively to both to take on the scoring load that he needs to and with, with carmelo kind of taking a step back offensively and to guard the other team's best player i saw he really ran out of gas today in that game against the lakers but nonetheless he's been a solid defensive player this year and also just has the history i think of being better than any of these guys uh kevin love you know again as part of that cleveland disaster in the last month and then he's really just done a lot less offensively as well since isaiah came back maybe not his fault but that hurts his statistical resume and then blake griffin might start to get into this conversation you wonder about his efficiency as well but you know there's not a ton of competition for him at least he, he missed time but not as much as it seemed like uh he's only maybe about 10 or 12 games behind a, a lot of these guys and then ben simmons uh, has done better in the last month after kind of a drop off in december he's been more aggressive but still below the league average in efficiency and, and probably not really quite up there with some of these guys who've been doing it for a long time 
time yet for me. Um, where'd you so, go at center? I went with Horford. I thought yeah. that he's he's been such, had such a wonderful year, been pivotal to Boston's offense and defense, and that's genuinely rare. I mean, a lot of guys, and it's crazy to have a year after the last couple where you'd love to move guys out of the center spot to power for, to forward to get more guys on, but that's where we are yeah. right now. And so I thought Horford has been better. I mean, there are a lot of guys you could consider there. Cousins, Towns. Yeah, who who would would have been behind Horford for you if if you had if like me because I I did Horford at, at power forward as I mentioned and then I have a different center but who would have so, been so it's ta- had so you done that yeah Towns Cousins Jokic are probably the three that I would have most seriously yeah. considered I think I probably would have gone with Towns I mean it's it's also that, hard because that is what I did yeah I mean he's he it's crazy because he's having a, a a very good offensive season it's just not as big an offensive season as we both hoped and he's been better defensively in the last month too so that you know between him and Cousins it is kind of an eye of the beholder thing because Cousins is you know he's such a dominant offensive player but his defense has been before he got hurt was was just very inconsistent at best this year and so Towns was largely in that camp so I would have gone Towns over there and and Jokic is you know he he's just not he, again he, he's creating a lot but it's not at the same level that we hoped like if he was the guy he was last year he could be even in the mix for second team or something beyond that it's just that hasn't been what he's done this year yeah Carl Towns if you look at the offensive RPMs of centers Towns is 3.27 offensive RPM only center in the threes DeMarcus is 2.8 Jokic is 2.2 and those are the only three centers who are above two now and there are only eight centers who have a positive offensive RPM generally centers are, are a little bit less skilled especially when you get below the initial realm there so and of course centers usually provide more on defense whereas you know if you look at point guards for example the RPMs are the opposite where they're more positive on offense and uh, more negative uh, on defense but uh, I think Towns has already played eight more games than DeMarcus I had DeMarcus last month obviously he's out for the season now as well so it's it seemed kind of weird to posthumously I guess you could say in regard to his season uh, award him third team all NBA when Towns has played more and I think if I had to pick someone to do to play defense out of those two bad options I probably would go with Towns Um, and then Jokic still just not quite enough of a force for me in terms of his usage and also I think a pretty big defensive liability as well and, and he is well he probably is a smarter defender than either the other two guys he is not really someone who can at least make a lot of the positive athletic plays when he's really engaged that those other two guys can uh and then Andre Drummond not really in this conversation for me either I mean he's a great rebounder has had some nice defensive games lately uh, I thought his game against the Jazz for example was outstanding defensively some of the best defense that we've seen from him but still just as an offensive force in particular just nowhere near the level of Towns Cousins or Jokic and it's certainly possible for a center to go past those guys without being as good offensively but he hasn't he hasn't brought that consistency like being the anchor of their defense so far he can certainly do it moving forward I mean those spots are at least somewhat up for grabs still at this point defensive player of the year I'm still going with Embiid despite the Sixers just big success overall and they had they had a wonderful month of January broadly the disparity with him on and off the floor is actually part of the reason why they were so much better that disparity defensively has dissipated but they're still I mean they have a defensive rating of 100 I think when he's on the floor which is spectacular and he's a big part of that you know Covington is of course when when they're on together but intimidate shots is still a, a, a strong defensive rebounder and so for me I generally defer to centers because I think that they are the most important in there and for defensive player of the year I generally think of it more I lean more most outstanding than most valuable so the games played doesn't bother me that much it does bother me a little bit but not as much as for like theoretically mvp or something i had draymond last month but golden state's horrendous defense in january has really taken a lot of the wind out of those sales no statistical argument whatsoever for green as i mentioned earlier so he's not even in my top three i guess no he is he's number three for me i guess at this point but again uh not a good crop at all it's Kawhi out gobert has been awesome lately since he came back and utah is just absolutely surging right now but still only played 26 games so far so i i went with Embiid. if you look at all the realistic candidates he has the highest defensive rpm among those Uh, you mentioned the disparity has changed a little bit but they are still 9.5 points for 100 possessions better on defense with him on the court second for me was horford he is 21st in defensive rpm overall but the second highest among realistic candidates who are playing a lot of minutes and and match up by the eye test um and he hasn't really played that much more than Embiid has as well uh he's only played eight more games and about the same number of minutes per game as well and Boston is only 1.1 points per 100 possessions better 
with Horford on defense although worth noting that he plays a lot of minutes with Kyrie Irving who is their worst defensive player even though he's been better this year like if you look at how they've defended lately without Kyrie I mean they've just been absolutely impossible and I think the versatility that Horford has to play two positions defensively to get out on the floor a little bit more is really important uh maybe Andre Robertson should have been in the discussion given how OKC has defended uh in games that he hasn't played but he's only playing 26 minutes game and obviously he's out for the year as well yeah it's it's unfortunate that considering how much time he's going to miss I don't think he'll even get on all defensive team and there is certainly an argument to be made that he is will be one of the four best defensive guards in the league this year coach of the year uh Brad Stevens so who are your two and three by the way did you say I didn't say uh but it, it probably would have been Horford and Draymond I I really only focused on the single winner there but but yeah I think it probably would have yeah. been Horford and Draymond uh so yeah coach of the year uh I had Stevens Popovich and Casey as my top three last month and I see no reason to change that whatsoever I had Popovich Stevens and Casey and I don't not gonna change mine either and and for the top two guys I mean Stevens has done an unbelievable job this year what has just been so impressive to me with Popovich is the way that they have been able to execute on both ends of the floor with changing talent and also just worse talent than we anticipated I mean they're second in defense right now they're second in defense right now and their best defensive player has missed most of the season their second best defensive player or at least perimeter defender Danny Green has missed a bunch of the year too and they just kept on humming that's incredibly impressive to me Stevens is similar it's just that I just prefer the job that Popovich is doing and then as you often do in other categories I also defer to the coach that I think is better and I think Greg Popovich is a better coach so I'll go with that a little bit but yeah. it's tie-breaking and Dwayne Casey is doing a fabulous job we should take a take a little bit just to talk about the job that he's still doing in Toronto I actually I don't know if you did this I actually chose a coach of the month who was not in those three though just for the for my own thought I just was thinking about it oh okay well, let me guess who it is Terry Stotts Doc Rivers because oh, yeah? they just dealt with so much crap during January with you know guys getting hurt I mean they were playing two-way guys playing call-up guys and having to have them execute and the Clippers made their way they did some of that in late December too but they made their way back in the playoff picture despite not being particularly healthy and I think that's a really impressive thing to do in the Western Conference Stotts has also done a fabulous job that would be the other one that I would consider for coach of the month but I and I'll talk about the Clippers in a little bit but I I just the the fact that they worked their way back into this conversation is is impressive to me especially considering while Blake was back it was you missed time with the concussion too yeah I I would consider uh, Nate McMillan Stotts Quinn Sider Doc Rivers would also be the guys who are in the conversation for me here but I think especially Casey I mean it's it's easy to remember that I think we all felt that Toronto this was going to be a year that they would take a pretty major step back and instead uh, they're on pace maybe to have the best regular season team of the Kyle Lowry DeMar DeRozan Dwayne Casey era where considering the age of Lowry and the fact that they're going to be relying on so many young guys again like Casey what he gets out of his bench really is remarkable Uh, biggest surprise team and player for the year I'm going to stick with the same ones that I had the Boston Celtics and Victor Oladipo he's the one guy really who did not have a pedigree and vaulted into very solid all-star level of play I don't think we've I can't think of anyone else that just has come out of nowhere to be playing at an all-star level this year Uh, although I would also throw uh, the Raptors into the team one uh, for the reasons I just talked about and then uh, honorable mention in this category again because they're not they didn't get quite to all-star level I think getting to all-star level and that's what makes the league turn and so that's why Oladipo is the clear winner for me but Spencer Dinwiddie uh, Fred Van Vliet who is just was a nobody last year he's closing games now for a great team in the Raptors and then uh, Tyreek Evans his bounce back season been amazing I I don't remember if this is a change by one or both of us but I did mine my surprise team and player just for this month um, and I did that for disappointing as well but I guess that creates a different tapestry so I went with the Clippers for this they were 15 and 19 at, on New Year's Eve and Blake had just returned though they had just won five out of six now they're more likely to be a playoff team than not and depending on what they do at the trade deadline obviously and my player was also was Lou Williams for the month because that was when Blake Griffin came back so the expectation was okay Lou Williams is going to take a back seat he's going to have to do that 28.2 points per game in the month of January I believe that was either number one I think it was number two behind Steph for the month 32% usage 59 true shooting and the the 50 burger against the Warriors was one of the definitive performances of the month if not the definitive performance of the month oh no Harden never mind Harden 60 11 10 yeah uh biggest disappointing team that clearly now is the Cleveland Cavaliers to me I mean they just they had that run but they have a negative point where they won 17 of 18 but they now have a negative point differential for the season negative 0.6 net rating in non 
garbage time and if you throw in garbage time it gets a lot worse for them probably as well and i I can't remember the last time they had a comfortable win they've actually now won 5.5 games more than expected that is the best win differential in the nba uh eclipsing now the sacramento kings who are number two uh, in terms of wins uh, over expected and i think from a uh, well well, so who is your most disappointing team it's got to be cleveland right especially if you're only doing it on a monthly basis oh yeah cleveland six and eight in january negative 5.7 net rating like that you can't fake that like that's just that's just awful for a month well and and then after that it's gotten even worse too after that after they got demolished by the rockets negative they're down to like a negative eight or nine net rating or something for uh for for 2018 first if not the month yeah Yeah. and my most disappointing player for the month it's a little bit unfair to do that but i gave it to isaiah not so much because oh he's hurt and he's coming back but because he took so many shots while he's been figuring this out i mean i'm okay with him taking his time and you know his his true shooting is about 50 percent. i'm okay with that but don't don't have 31 percent usage when you play with lebron james a lot of the time and all these other guys and that and especially considering he's not a great defensive player you have those elements that are he i mean we we've talked before in other years about who the most negative player you know like the the most destructive player in the league is and you know so like last year i think chandler parsons was in that conversation because they were playing him a lot when he was healthy and he was bad i i mean for this month isaiah thomas was the most destructive player in the league and i would never have expected that to happen even if he was coming back for me it's lebron just because he had played so incredibly well the first two and a half months and then to just drop off like this and have one of the worst months of his career certainly of late and then just the overall team spirit there the infighting i mean it's just, it just speaks to his leadership or lack thereof the lack of effort on defense and just hasn't been the same offensive guy either uh i think that's all i mean and obviously this isn't fair to lebron but when you say disappointing you're talking about what your expectations were coming in so so Le- it would be lebron for the month not Cavs for the season uh lebron for the month and yeah, I'm not sure who I would do overall for the whole season. It's hard to say LeBron's he had those first two great months. And Westbrook I mean, had like a really terrible first month. He was my pick right in the beginning. So, and Kawhi Leonard obviously has been injured. You know, he, he would be it if you just, you know, took injuries out of the equation. Um, And Isaiah, obviously there's, uh, it's not great either. Could you make an argument that disappointing would be Marcus Ole just because of how far he's fallen off defensively? Yeah, maybe. Uh, you'd still hope that I mean, Memphis has been pretty, healthy this year outside of of course losing Mike Conley and that's been a problem Memphis has also been a little unlucky as well uh 18 and 34 they have the 24th ranked point differential in the league but I think you could throw Hassan Whiteside into that category as well but again that's been somewhat health related probably Jay Crowder would actually be my pick either Jay Crowder or J.R. Smith wow we named four we named four different calves in this conversation yeah but Jay Crowder I really thought I mean that's all forgotten now in the all the drama over isaiah and how he's just not healthy and he's messing things up but jay crowder and again he's got some extenuating circumstances due to the death of his mother over the offseason but i thought he was really going to make a difference for cleveland to finally give them the three and d presence i thought that this i thought this year with thompson tristan thompson at center and then he went out immediately and they also started love at center which was a little bit weird uh, to begin with because they're also starting wade and like that that's really led to a lot of rotation and a lot of competing or competing agendas in cleveland but crowder i really thought he like oh Oh, Cleveland actually has a chance to be decent defensively this year when they got him and that clearly uh, has not been the case and he if he hasn't been a big part of the problem he hasn't been part of the solution either and I expected that from him are you ready for the big rookie of the year discussion yeah this is gonna be I think the most contentious I don't know where you fall on this but uh Donovan Mitchell versus Ben Simmons I had big time problems trying to decide between the two of them it's also weird because the nature of of their roles I mean Simmons role has been consistent this year but Donovan Mitchell's has changed so much and even sometimes within the course of a game just because when he plays with Ruby and when he plays without we see different parts of Donovan Mitchell's game for me it's I, I mean I just think back because because these two guys remember we made the distinction what I think that was for rookie of the year last time about the difference between what Mitchell and Simmons do and what Jason Tatum and some of those other guys because they're more dependent yeah. talents and these guys are independent that's a big part of it beyond the fact that Tatum has taken a little bit of a step back which was expected when a guy is shooting 50 percent or whatever crazy number he was at three 
And Simmons and Mitchell, you know, like they they both have the ball in their hands a lot. They both are creating a lot. And Simmons has been way better defensively than I anticipated, which was, I thought that might be a demerit for him at this, but I think that would be a plus in his column for this. But I think that for me, Simmons has, he has a really tough spot orchestrating, really being the point guard for this team. And while he is eh, not the most efficient scorer, I have been impressed with the way that he's run the offense in Philly this year. So we'll give you some relevant stats. Uh, They're basically of the exact same PR right around 18. Mitchell has the efficiency advantage. Uh, Simmons a little bit below the league average at 54%. Uh, Mitchell is 56%. Big difference, obviously, is the fact that Mitchell takes 40% of his shots from downtown. He spaces the floor when he doesn't have the ball. That's a, a problem for Simmons, of course. Defensively, they both have the exact same steal percentage of 2.4%. Simmons has been a surprisingly good shot blocker uh, for a guy with shorter arms who didn't do that much. Uh, 2.1% block rate. Big demerit for Simmons turns it over on 19% of his possessions and also much lower usage than Mitchell. Mitchell has a 29% usage, Simmons 22%. Simmons, of course, the better rebounder and the far better passer, though Mitchell has been solid in that area as well. Mitchell is not quite to the level like point guard type of dishing and Ben Simmons is one of the two or three best passing forwards in the league. I think I will ultimately go with Ben Simmons and the tiebreaker for me, I think just in terms of, if you want to say who who's the more valuable player this year i think you'd really struggle to pick between them i just think that simmons just has a little bit more upside as a prospect and when in doubt with rookie of the year i go with the guy that i think is the better overall prospect because rookie of the year in some ways is a historical award it's a looking forward award in some ways as well and so that would be the tiebreaker but i only go to that because it is so incredibly close and you know mitchell was ahead last year or or last week last week no let's try every single possible unit of time last second last minute no last month is what i'm looking for there and simmons has come on the sixers have come on mitchell has still been doing about the same thing but he was didn't have quite as torrid of a month in january as he did in december so that's why i go with simmons what was your verdict i went with simmons as well i think that while mitchell is a a more prolific scorer and a better scorer the assists that that simmons gets out and and the importance that those have within the offense just because the sixers run things a little bit differently than the jazz do i feel like he is more essential for the team as well and i think he's been slightly more outstanding it's so tough between these two guys though i mean yeah it's and, and even to say who's the better prospect is stuff i right. think simmons is the higher upside but uh, you know simmons has massive holes in his game with the the turnovers and with the lack of a jump shot and mitchell really i think can evolve to being a player who doesn't have any holes in the game which is obviously that's i mean when you're talking about winning at the highest levels that's uh, almost as important as the things that you do incredibly well his jump shot is definitely more projectable and and for his position mitchell has the physical potential to be a very good defender if not an elite defender i mean we'll have to see generally speaking guys who have the ball in their hands as much as he does never become or stay elite defenders but he he has he can do a nice job and and i i have been very impressed with his ability to affect the game on the ball and off the ball because that's a lot to ask of a young guy and he's been able to do that and that's something ben simmons couldn't do by and large this year but to be a rookie and have that level of usage i mean if you compare mitchell is older obviously if you compare him to dennis smith they have about similar level of usage they're the two highest rookies in usage Smith is a 470 true shooting percentage. I mean, to get a rookie who can have that level of usage and be above the league average in efficiency, I mean, that, you, that does not come along every year by any means. I mean, I, I would be hard pressed to remember. I mean, unless you want to say Embiid, but he was just totally different. He was way older. But a, a rookie who well, and had, Embiid, you know, and yeah. Embiid was playing on a disaster of a team where they could just feed him the whole time. You know, like that's yeah. different than Mitchell, who's doing this on a team that still has a chance of making the playoffs. And and I mean, Dennis Smith is more in the Embiid camp, obviously, but. But yeah, I mean, these guys, two guys are having, we should appreciate these seasons. You and I are, but like everybody should appreciate these seasons for what they are because they are rare. And while people have said, oh, you know, so many guys would have won this rookie of the year over Brogdon, that is true. But I don't want to just say, oh, well, they're so much better than last year because these these are really wonderful rookie years. For third, I thought Tatum was a clear choice. And then fourth, I guess would be Kuzma, although I think there's a ton of guys. Markinen is in that conversation at this point. You've got some of the guys who are playing really well in smaller roles like Jared Allen and Bam out of bio but aren't necessarily starter type of players um so yeah smith would probably be fifth for me i would say uh or maybe marketing would be fifth and smith sixth i mean he's definitely is uh but if we were ranking it on potential those rankings might be a lot different let's move to sixth man made more difficult just due to the technicalities of who's actually eligible though not difficult was picking lou williams for number one that's bad shit up right so lou williams still qualifies he's number one and but tyreek evans and eric gordon both do not qualify 
qualify as of February 1st because they had started slightly more games. I expect both of those players to be qualified for six man of the year when the season ends. It's just the, the nature of how it goes. So yeah, so the last two spots, I, you could, I mean, because you're thinking like total value, who's been the best player, not a lot of really two-way bench guys this year. I mean, so Lou was number one by a mile and a half. I ended up going with Sabonis too. I think he's had a wonderful year and I was a little bit uncomfortable that so much of his value has come when he started, but it's still value. He still had a really wonderful year. And then I went with Miritich third. I mean, he's just yeah. been so huge. He was so huge for the Bulls when he came back. You saw what it was. He's played enough of a sample now where I think that, and remember that Miritich was playing way more minutes per game than a lot of the other bench players that are having good years. So his, I think his minutes played is actually more close to what David West has done this year. Yeah. Well, and, and West, I mean, just, he just doesn't have a large enough role to right. be in this conversation for me. He's been effective in very, very short minutes. And we've seen when he has to go longer than that, that his effectiveness can decline. Uh, Will Barton was my number two. I think he's been, he's been a little bit below average in efficiency, but uh, it hasn't been a great crop now with Tyreek no longer eligible. Then Miritich was my number three. Certainly on a per minute basis, he's been much better than Barton. Uh, we'll see whether that continues in New Orleans and whether he in fact starts in New Orleans as well. A um, few other names to mention, uh, Kelly Olenek with Miami, although he started a few games, he has been very valuable for them. Uh, Kyle Kuzma might have been in this conversation a little bit ago. He's eligible again now. He had started a few games, but now he's back on the bench. But the defense, if we're talking about who actually contributes to winning, I think for six man, it's just, you know, who's contributing the most to winning would be my pick there. Kelly Oubre still having a nice season. Uh, Wayne Ellington as well in Miami. And then PJ Tucker and Luke Mbamute as well, not playing as many minutes, but he's been a massive part of Houston's defense. And they have not missed a beat with Trevor Ariza out and with Luke being back. That's a big part of it. And when with Luke out, I think their defense took a massive step back. It did. I will cede the initial four to you for dunk of the year because you love this category more than any other. Would that be fair? Uh, I shouldn't say more than any. I, I enjoy doing the research for this more yeah. than any other. And I'll, this I'll, was I'll a great way. month for dunks. Better than I had remembered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we usually we looked at what that like 11 minute long best dunk of the month uh, NBA.com highlight really kind of call some contenders. So uh, I have my number one. I'll save that until the end. Embiid just destroying Russ trying to take a charge was just amazing uh followed by the instagram even though they lost the game i'm glad that he still talks shit even though they lost the game and the look at ross and just like what are you doing and, and like that's a, a great photo to it and be like his body almost at a 45 degree angle like leaning in for the dunk that that was great uh another one that i really enjoyed that i didn't really see talked about much larry nance had this alley-oop that was like that grant hill alley-oop dunk in the ncaa final in 1991 except like way more extensive and way higher even than that i mean he was just so far up there with one hand nance can get up off of one foot or two feet and that was just ridiculous extension it wasn't on anybody but that was the best alley-oop probably that i've seen this year well uh, that and the, the donovan mitchell one there were two actually there might have even been a third spectacular one hand alley-oops that's not something i yeah. mean those are really hard and the the nance one was impressive because it was on a worse throw jordan clarkson like that was actually a bad throw which makes the dunk better mitchell's was just tough because the catch was a little bit weird but he, he threw that down too that's one i wanted to mention i wish somebody would go up and try and challenge mitchell and like we'll see him dunk on because his dunks like he just when he gets there and he takes off people are like oh uh i won't be blocking this you know there's the one where he like he split the pick and roll in sacramento and came down the lane and zach randolph was uh made a business decision although that's a lot better than when he like ruined brandon rush's career by like taking him out on a dunk attempt so I'm, i guess i should be glad that zach didn't decide to do that at this point in his career with the kings uh De'Aaron fox had a game-winning tip dunk that was pretty nice uh against miami and this is another one that didn't get much play dwight just absolutely destroyed mike Muscala that was an Im- i didn't even know that dunk happened until the montage no. and, I, and and to me that was that was maybe my favorite yeah. just straight poster of the yeah. entire time because he just if got a it hornets hawks games happens in the forest does it make a sound? <laughs> i even watched a small portion of that game but i didn't i don't remember that dunk at all um so i i would say so my number three i'm gonna say in beat on russell's my number two though um yeah dwight like came down the lane and i mean he he can still really 
really get up if he can like really load up it's just his quick jump isn't what it used to be uh yeah and Muscala just had no chance there uh Ryan Anderson on Alex Len like, yes he came in he came in from the left wing and, and also anytime an American white guy dunks you know I have to like get excited about it. like he came in from the left wing and just poked it on Len off of two but he took off from like pretty far away too it was like Len that just was like oh wow did this just happen and like all of a sudden it was just on his head that was fantastic I wrote most surprising by that dunk I absolutely loved it I mean that was that was one that I, I just got excited about so I'm gonna guess that your number one is Wiggins on Pirtle no really uh, okay he got him one, twice which I love yeah no that that was good I, I I've never really enjoyed Wiggins as much as a dunker for whatever that reason. one he um, had on JaVale last year was amazing yeah that one that one was preposterous uh no Jalen Brown on, on Porzingis. Porzingis that was great which too. was actually that was the last day of the month I was glad I was able to shoehorn that in and that dunk was awesome because he brings he gets a, either an outlet or a rebound brings it down the right wing just fakes Tim Hardaway out of his shorts the three-point line with an inside out dribble so like I mean I like dunks that like where like a great move occurs but to even get you into position to dunk it and then Porzingis is probably the best shot blocker in the league if he's just like right there I mean his I don't know what his standing reach is but I think like because I don't think he was ever measured officially but his standing reach has got to be like right up there with gobert and he's in terms of the stats i think he's uh allowing the lowest percentage at the rim of anyone in the league right now when he's in position he's just impossible to score over and so jalen then he took off off his right foot and then dunked on him with the right hand off of one foot i mean that's just like you don't see that type of versatility at all and just like there's no doubt about it i mean he just got him like it was awesome i mean it was and it was a shame because on the call it was like when woge was on the broadcast like talking about like who's gonna get traded where and so they really missed the chance to like go crazy over it but it was awesome that was especially considering who it was on and the move that preceded it and just like the footwork required i i it was my number one uh pretty easily this last month yeah it was it was spectacular and i had i i had wrote it on my list and i i realized i should have put it higher i actually i so i had him beat over westbrook as one but the degree of difficulty yeah. on the jalen brown dunk means yeah i i'm realizing now that yeah because i mean dunking over russell westbrook especially if you're a seven footer isn't the same thing yeah. i mean it was it was satisfying just i think more because of the personalities involved and the well, like and also russell Russ, westbrook like, oh trying God, to no, take a charge yeah, like that yeah, that bothered like like, the, like a contest is so much more sad but but like i i kind of enjoy it even though uh, it's better over a contest just trying just just going straight over a charge guy is is satisfying to me it's like you shouldn't do well, that. and just because russ like takes himself so seriously too, true like, he could never just like have a chuckle over something like that you know like it, you know that he was just like it was just like burning him up that he got dunked on um all right shall we continue to our next category here best win of the month this was hard because i i generally consider the best win to be one where it like changes the way that i think about a team or something like that and a lot of that is really set in and like they're like the idea where the biggest surprise teams those things were pretty much settled so what i ended up going with was the rockets when they beat the warriors i just thought that was the one where it's like okay this is the way yeah. that they it's can it's too be- bad we always pick like who beat the warriors like that's always like, well that's actually the mine has been that so mine has been who that. beat the rockets every other time i went back and looked every uh, other yeah. time it had been somebody who beat the rockets like that raptors game when they beat the rockets in houston early in the year and things like that but to me why that was the best win was because it allowed us to see okay this is a way that houston can beat the warriors Warriors in a game like in a playoff game that isn't kind of the, the first game was was wild and it was and you know certainly that was a, a good win for Houston but I think the game three the final one which also gives them the tiebreaker should that end up being relevant was it was more the mo of how it was be it wasn't unsustainable to me in any way and so you go okay you know that's and, and I, I I think and thought before that that the Rockets are the biggest threat to the Warriors so that was significant for me yeah I thought that was a, an interesting one uh that I didn't consider but I probably should have for me it was the Jazz over the Raptors uh in Toronto the Raptors uh, obviously have been playing pretty well and for the Jazz they really looked like they're at an AD or Rudy Gobert had just come back but they were like I think they might have been at one point either eight or nine games under 500 and that really served notice that like this team was going to play some really good basketball from then on and they've gone on to just they destroyed the Warriors by 30 at home they won at San Antonio last night they blew out the Suns as well that that uh back-to-back they won in San Antonio last night so it looks like uh, that was was right at the start of their run here and hopefully that will presage them getting right back into the playoff contention then the other one that came to mind for me was just due to the symbolism the wizards beating the thunder in their first game without john wall uh where it felt and the thunder made a comeback and you felt like the thunder were just going to take it and, and the wizards righted the ship so the way they've been able to play without john wall has been massive we were worried that they might fall down to the bottom of the playoff 
sure and maybe they still will but they are three and oh now without walla and that win uh, presaged some good things to come uh let's do uh the worst loss i normally aim for a home loss by a by a good team against a bad team and all but one of those criteria were not met by this one but it just struck me and that was the lakers getting trucked in orlando by the magic in a game most baits started a power forward i mean it was they they lost 127 to 105 just got i mean some of that was of course and they've actually won two straight right that amazingly right like they, they've had they've had some good games and they've competed defensively the whole year some of it was the magic just hitting a ton of threes i mean they were 18 of 32 but the lakers didn't show much fight to me in that one and orlando has been in just broadly speaking they've been in a tailspin for about a month and a half and so the lakers could have gone in there and kind of started this run a little bit earlier but maybe it was the kickstart they needed but that one was just i remember when i because i watched a portion of that game it was just so it was so debilitating and then the other one that i considered which was my honorable mention was you talked about how the wizards had that one that was commented for best win it seems to be like they have some of they have like one worst loss candidate in every month because like that that game which i picked last time when they got killed by the jazz here they lost by 23 to dallas in a game when their starting five played they got outscored 31 15 in the second quarter and it didn't really get better from there that one was that was more my traditional mo dallas is a really bad matchup for them because rick carlisle knows that they can't really score that well in the half court and so he keeps them out of transition which he's just like he makes sure that they do that they dallas never goes to the offensive glass they get back they played a slow pace so they're actually a really bad matchup for the losers dallas beat them in washington earlier in the year as well that's correct that that game was closer though um my worst loss was new orleans i think this was the first game after the demarcus injury they lost at home to the kings and yeah that was yeah i mean you're you're certainly and i usually end up kind of focusing in on okay a team that thinks they're good that wants to be a playoff team that's trying to maybe you know reach a new plane and then they have a loss where it's like oh wait a minute like they really are not consistent enough to be considered in that and yeah i realize they lost to marcus but that just the adding insult to injury to that from an emotional standpoint to lose to this king's team that has been awful this year at home still should have won that game uh in on paper and obviously did not uh one thing i want to add in it it doesn't qualify because it's not a single game but minnesota losing in orlando atlanta and brooklyn in the same month is for a team as good as they are was yeah i was saying they're going well i can't it's not worst losses so i can't put it in there but i wanted to make sure to mention that because that was just dumbfounding and all of those losses were weird okay what do you think uh for best game celtics warriors that was spectacular and it was you know and and i think you got an you got an argument of like why the celtics can be a competitive playoff team and Kyrie was phenomenal in that game al horford was great in the first quarter and had some nice moments throughout and i i I enjoyed it start to finish it had real stakes to it it felt that way the whole time so that was that was my pick and there were a lot of games that were fun but i thought that was the one that was fun well played and had meeting that was in the conversation for me uh boston at denver was another one too which is at the very end of the month sadly i always end up picking ones at the end of the month because those are the ones that i just have a better memory of i need to actually like start writing these down throughout the month a a little bit more uh bulls versus blazers in overtime when uh cj mccollum hit a huge uh series of shots uh, to win in chicago when the bulls were actually playing pretty well that was a big win for portland that kind of jump-started them onto a good month uh sadly oklahoma city at denver was february 1st that'll definitely be in consideration for next month don't worry i have it written down now uh and that but i think i would ultimately go with that golden state houston game again just because uh, for me it was most interesting just intellectually to see how these teams might match up and to see that houston was very effective in some ways that could potentially translate into the playoffs my player to watch for december for january was chris paul because that was you know with a heart and injury and everything like that i thought he was he was great for the month did a did a nice job of, of keeping things together and being a you know he's he still is i don't think of him as as much of a two-way guy as he used to be but still mass wonderful orchestrating their offense and an important part of, of of their success and they're still in the mix for the number one overall seed which is impressive to me and so i don't think he has his fastball anymore you know like i think it was last year where i had him still as the fifth best guy in the league i don't think he's necessarily there anymore but he's still top 10 to me and that's significant yeah and he's playing in a different way but certainly from a statistical standpoint might be playing better this season uh my guy was josh richardson uh i went through a few stats for him that, that were interesting one of the reasons that he's intrigued going back to a couple summer leagues ago and then last year i thought his last year was really ruined by that mcl injury early in the season uh he's been capable as a pick and roll ball handler and since they don't really have any kind of a traditional backup point guard he's had to 
do a lot of that uh he's not been efficient in the pick and roll but he's at least cut down his turnover since early in the year when he was really a turnover machine overall though when finishing a possession in pick and roll just 0.73 points per possession that's in the 33 33rd percentile league wide but the numbers are very interesting when you break it down more and i'm not sure if there's anything to this or not other than a small sample but uh when shooting a jumper out of the pick and roll uh 0.89 points per possession which is totally decent efficiency uh and when he goes to the rim which obviously happens less because it's just hard to get to the rim 1.14 points per possession that's fantastic so okay with those two numbers why is he at 0.73 points per possession overall well when he rejects the pick he's scored only three points on 16 possessions so he just gets he'll reject the pick and go pell-mell into the lane and usually just throw up an awful shot or turn it over um i think when he stays more in control in the pick and roll that's when he has a lot more success when he really tries to go in and do an athletic finish instead of taking his time getting the guy on his back and, and really surveying and reacting uh when he just goes right into the trees he usually can have uh, some pretty ugly results he's uh added this nice scoop shot uh with either hand or without I, I don't know what the name for that is whether it's a speed layup some some player development guy tweet me and tell me what that is so i can call it the right thing where you just go up with one hand without putting your other hand on the ball for a, a scoop shot uh he gets a nice extension on those and then his defense is phenomenal i mean he's guarding threes a lot of the times sometimes james johnson will take the bigger combo forwards but he can guard most threes in the nba because even at you know six five six six and not the strongest guy in the world he's got great length he gets off the floor so quickly can test guys in ways that they don't expect he'll block a ton of shots for his size and then if you try and back down on him he's slight but he's active enough that he'll always be trying to loop around and get a deflection and he won't give the defense like a target to just back into and knock backwards you know he's always active moving trying to get around trying to make the guy uh, uncomfortable and overall he's looking like a massive value on the type of contract extension that she'll bear his in that four-year 42 million dollar deal where it's basically the 120 percent of the estimated average player salary in that year starting when a guy is on a super low contract like he was like norman powell was and then it's got to start the next year so we'll probably call that the richardson for as long as we'll be doing this show whenever it gets given out and uh it's looking like great value for him so far my player for the month of february so it's weird this year with the trade deadline february is uh, do always we, do we have to still do this one i think we should eliminate this one i, I feel okay. like i don't do a good enough job okay let's uh these are like super long anyway let's yeah. uh oh. if people really want this want us to bring that back because I, I always end up like forgetting that i picked it and then i you know i spent like probably a half hour doing some research on it today but i was like okay. you know i i needed to be maybe or maybe i could just like stop being lazy and be more organized maybe i could do that too well i'm still gonna <laughs> I'll, I'll tell who mine is i might not do a report on it but uh, for me february is often a kind of prove it month like are you for real and i want to watch carl anthony towns and see whether this defense that that has been yeah, touted is, is for real i want to see that the other reservation is if if something big happens with the trade deadline but i often like to give those guys a couple weeks to adjust so like blake griffin might if we do this still for march that might be my time also that might be when he's integrating with reggie so do that but yeah i mean i want to i'm gonna watch the 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 wolves and also with the wolves this is a pretty fun month for them they play cleveland on wednesday they play the rockets twice once before the all-star break once after so i'm going to be you know keeping an eye on those types of games as well so now we get to see uh whether you and i are indeed clairvoyant or not i was not for the month of december my prediction was that portland's offense would continue to be mired in the 20s that was completely and utterly incorrect they were sixth in offense since january 1st and meanwhile uh, worth noting although this was not part of my prediction their defense which had been top 10 has been 26th since january 1st <laughs> so it's like last year so a complete role reversal yeah they're right back to what they were last year it's hilarious my prediction of something that would continue was that the sixers opponents would keep shooting a low percentage in the restricted area they were the league low in december that wasn't entirely the case i think they were like seventh or something like that which is still quite good but what was notable was that opponents shot the the second fewest attempts in the restricted area per game which i think is very significant for the defense and was a big part of why they were so successful in the month of january by the way worth noting i, I am now 0 for 2 on predictions of trends that, that will continue but my november pick was golden state's defense won't be in the top three they were awesome in december and then they were 24th in defense for the month of january so i was just a month late on that one i don't think they're going to continue to be 24th in defense obviously they have way too much talent for that um oh you're going to get into and, one of my predictions <laughs> oh good well i uh, so uh my trend from last month that i thought would be an aberration was phoenix not being 
being in the bottom three in the west uh in january they were 30th in net rating at negative 10.2 and they went four and 12 so i'm feeling pretty good about that my trend that was an aberration was miami's clutch offense because they had a 132.8 offensive rating in december they were seven and two they did take a step back they were 10th in clutch offense this time but they still had a plus 22 net rating in in those situations because they were absolutely monstrous on defense so they they kind of took it in the logical direction for me i was they i mean they have amazing defensive talent so they were nine and five for the month so they did take a step back i will count it as being correct but they were still a wonderful clutch team which is which is great but that was not the prediction so i still think i got it right <laughs> uh so now we'll pick our trends for this month that we think it will continue and i think that is going to be for me that okc's defense is going to take a major step back without robertson and we've seen that in these games already and overall on the year they are fourth in defense per cleaning the glass i expect that they will not be a top 10 defense uh from here on out uh maybe they'll start to come around eventually but yeah i, I think they're going to be 10th or worse for the rest of the year be my prediction and next month as well although who knows maybe they have an easy schedule next month but uh i don't think they're gonna i, I i'll do, let's do this I, I think they do not finish the year in the top five they're number four right now. okay mine for so aberration was the warriors so you talked about how they were 24th in defensive rating i was able to pull the cleaning the glass numbers because i did it at the at the very beginning of the month they were 27th in when you filter out garbage time like that's how bad they were so i i think they'll be substantially better than that whether I, i'm not going to say they'll be top 10 but i do think they'll be top half so for for the i month, didn't have a chance to look at it maybe you didn't either i mean is there i imagine there's something aberrational going on in terms of like opponent three-point shooting and stuff like that right i didn't look into it but i believe there was um i can that 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 can be something we could talk about in a future thing that is something i should look into yeah. for my own work and then my trend that will continue minnesota taking the most mid-range shots per game it's not exactly a bold one but i didn't have any bold ones off the top of my head 24.4 mid-range shots per game which is that was what they did in january they might take i i it's just fits their mo completely i think that's going to continue okay so my prediction of a trend from the last month that is an aberration i think orlando will not be absolutely terrible they were three and eleven in the month and at one point i think had won only six of their previous 37 games uh but they're only 23rd in net rating so i think they'll go back to being like run-of-the-mill bad winning you know a third of their games instead of just like absolutely horrendous uh the way that they have been these last couple of months or so and they'll also have plenty of other teams i mean they've already been like pretty close to tanking just with all the injuries that they've had i mean terrence ross presumably is going to come back at some point and help them hazonia has been playing a little better john isaac at some point will come back so they don't have to play spates at the four which is one of our most beloved lineups of course uh so better health and then there's going to be all these other teams that are tanking as well but they don't really have any further to go as far as tanking so unless they just shut down peyton and gordon which i don't think they will uh so yeah i think they'll be a little bit better even if you know they're not gonna be good obviously we'll see yeah <laughs> i mean there's certainly there certainly is some tanking potential there but i think even if they do try to tank i think they won't continue to be as unlucky either so I, well they've played they played the Cavs well this season and they play them on tuesday so who knows maybe they can sneak another one and make you look good okay so what is your uh january trend that will abate oh, that was the warriors defense one. Oh yes okay thanks yeah yeah uh all right that'll do it for today don't forget about uh going to sherry's berries and pro flowers at berries.com use that cap space code let them know that you came from us and also actually uh, i'll mention this too the number one thing you guys could do to support us right now is to use that cap space code on wish uh which will support the twitter nba show we've gotten a sponsor there they're doing one more episode and hopefully we would really appreciate your support and the other nice thing about wish is you can basically get anything you want on there too so anything that you need if you use that cap space code you get 20 percent off there and that's like will hopefully convince them to re-up for the rest of the year so if there's one thing you guys want to do to support us use that cap space code on wish you can get some amazing deals there as well uh that would be much appreciated we'll be back tomorrow talk to y'all then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil 